It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast, Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, you're really not an idiot. You shouldn't have said that. No, in many respects, Steve, I am the <laughs> the town idiot in many respects. Well, you just shaved your beard and tell everyone why you shaved your beard. Well, yeah, that's a good idiotic moment. I shaved because I hadn't trimmed my beard in a while. And so I went to do it, went to trim my beard, and I had a little shaky hand moment, and I just went zip up the side <laughs> of the mustache. And I was like, hmm, what am I going to do about this? Should I just try to like cut around it? And I was just like, forget it. I just shaved the whole thing off. I've done the same thing before. Well, I have to wait a couple more weeks for it to grow in. I, we'll see what happens. I like it. It looks good. You look youthful. Thank you so much, Steve. That means a lot to me. Sure, sure. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, find us at TheRushCast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, that is Lex. He's amazing. Find us on your favorite podcast app. Our host is Podbean. You can check us out there or wherever you like. Jerry, I hope you got an email to get us started. I do. This is from Eric. What's up, Eric? He says, I was a mild Rush fan until I read last summer Neil Peart's Traveling Music. Oh, nice. The book got me interested in the Rush story. Three regular guys consistently striving for excellence while staying down to earth and not taking themselves too seriously. This got me into the Martin Popoff trilogy, which I've read while listening to the albums on Spotify, and I became hooked. I then got into your podcast and continued this experience. It actually brought me to the next level. He put next level in quotes. We brought him to the next level? Yeah. With your podcast, I actually became a big fan of 80s Rush, a period I didn't really care that much about. Hold Your Fire, which was the only album I disliked in the Rush discography, is now one of my go-to listens. I'm quite grateful that I've discovered this awesome music. Everything else that I listen to now seems a bit bland. The only regret I have is that I've only seen them once in concert. It was in Montreal during the Vapor Trails tour. Being Canadian, I can't believe I didn't pay more attention to this band. Anyway, thanks for sharing your passion, and I love your show. P.S. I now live in Trier, Germany. Please add Trier to your list of free lunch cities, and don't plan too much for the afternoon. I'll make sure that the lunch includes plenty of local wine. Nice. That's great. That's our first German lunch, Jer. I know, our first German lunch. That is awesome. And I love that email because that is exactly what makes doing this podcast worthwhile. Just the fact that we were able to introduce him to a whole new world of Rush that he was unaware of, and now he loves it. Yeah, it's great to uh, think you have something to say about a topic and uh, people actually listen to it. (laughs) Really is great. Thanks so much for listening. And Jared, today on the Rush FanCast, we have a guest that was first with us on episode 33. That was a long time ago. We were babies. We were babies. April 13th, 2020. Writer and philosopher Liz Swan, welcome back to the Rush FanCast. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining us again. Now, shortly after we spoke to you, Liz, you published another Rush-themed article in Psychology Today. Do you remember this? It was called, If Rush Could Wave Their Magic Wand. Yes. They'd make everything all right because of the pandemic. Everybody was down and you wanted to cheer them up with this article. And you really did. Oh, thank you. I hope I did. We're kind of still in that time of darkness, aren't we? And listening to Rush makes everything all right. I am not. Um, I have had COVID. I am over it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't want to think about it anymore. I, I have definitely moved on. I guess, yeah, I guess the world is still in that time of darkness, but we've come a long way. I mean, I can't believe how much less fear and anxiety than 2020, right? But that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, give people some hope. And, you know, in like those times of anxiety, you go back to that music that makes you feel really good. And that's what I started doing. I just wanted to share that. And I'm sure for a lot of Rush fans, but, you know, are comforted by many Rush songs. And I guess that's what we're kind of here today to do is to talk about our favorite lyrics and how they affect us. So is that right, Steve? It is. I wanted to start with this question for the two of you, though. How difficult a task was this for you guys? We decided to come up with our five favorite Rush lyrics. How hard was this for you, Liz, to do, to narrow it down? It actually was not that hard. So like the second you sent me the email invitation, I I was like, oh, this one, this one, this one, and this one. And I really did not veer too much off course. Um, I will say that I was trying to be open-minded. I I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. I am really diehard 1970s rush up to like 80, 81, I would say. And I was trying to be open-minded and I, I listened to presto again and i listened to roll the bones and i was listening to some of the older albums and i was like nope (laughs) i'll I'll let the other i'll let those guys take care of the later (laughs) rush i'm gonna stick to um what i know best and what i love best and that's 70s rush so honestly it wasn't too hard for me it was like those lyrics that have been meaningful to me for the past few decades how about you jared was it hard for you it also wasn't that hard at least the first winnowing down to a smaller number of lyrics. Getting from there to five was a little difficult because I have about, I whittled it down to a smaller number and then that was also whittled down. And now I have five, but I have maybe like eight or 10, you know, on deck that I could switch to (laughs) at any time during this conversation. Which you might do if they're duplicates. I might do if they're duplicates, but I might not. I have to see how it goes. Never know. So we might have different interpretations of the same lyrics, too. That's true. That's true. One thing I think we can agree on is there are going to be no wrong answers here. All of these are going to be just amazing. So why don't we start with you, Liz? What is your number five favorite Rush lyric? Okay. For number five, I chose part one of the Fountain of Lamneth off Caress of Steel. And the stanza or the verse, I'm not sure which, that I like the most is, yet my eyes are drawn toward the mountain in the east, fascinates and captivates, gives my heart no peace. The mountain holds the sunrise and the prison of the night till bursting forth from rocky chains, the valley floods with light. And the reason I chose this is nothing too deep and cerebral and philosophical. I chose it because I think it is beautiful poetry and it's beautiful imagery. And just like picturing this, you know, dark mountain range and then the sun comes over the mountain range and just floods the whole valley with light. It's such a beautiful image and I've loved this image for decades. Yeah, I think when we talked about the Fountain of Lemonette, Steve, all those episodes ago, I think I remarked that that kind of sounds like the beginnings of a religion. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's this idea that the mountains are holding the sun prisoner and then every day it lets, you know, it escapes to light the day or something like that. It seems like the, the good basis of a, of a very good myth. Yeah. And just the fact that Neil could write something like that at the age of what, 
24 years old. That is just amazing to me. Without any formal education either. I mean, it's not like he was a PhD in poetry from <laughs> right. Ivy League school, you know, where he had been exposed to all just, just self-educated, just knowing this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great pick, Liz. Great pick. Jerry, what do you got for number five? Uh, well, I have uh, the chorus from Dreamline. Oh, nice. When we are young, wandering the face of the earth, wondering what our dreams might be worth, learning that we're only immortal for a limited time. Do you have a special reason for this, Jer? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not necessarily. I just think it perfectly captures getting a little bit older and realizing that we are immortal, literally for a limited time. We think we're immortal. We don't think anything can hurt us. But at some point, you realize that that's not true. So it kind of captures both of those ideas in just a couple of words that we're only immortal for a limited time. I just love the juxtaposition. I love the opposite nature of both of those phrases. Your thoughts, Liz? Yeah, I actually just heard this song played live a week ago. So I think I've mentioned to you guys this local tribute band, Rush Archives, who are out of um, Wyoming and Northern Colorado. They're phenomenal musicians. I've seen them about a dozen times. And they played this song, Dreamline. Nice. And I, I kind of had forgotten about it. As I'm saying, you know, I love 70s Rush, and I haven't listened to Roll the Bones much since college, to be honest. But they played the song in that line that Jerry just said exactly um, stuck with me, right? You feel immortal, but it's for a limited time. And it's, right. it is pretty profound yeah. as we're aging. Yeah. And that's what the youth always feels like. They're invincible, mm-hmm. right? The youth, yes. Just saying the youth, Steve. <laughs> the youth. That makes me sound old, doesn't it? <laughs> just added 10 years to your age. Yeah. Sounds like you're not immortal anymore. <laughs> At the beginning of this podcast, you are. You're no longer. Oh, boy. You've stepped over. So what about what's your number one then, Steve? Well, my number five. I, I'm going with number five first. Yes, number five. <laughs> well, he, he's already he's ready to be over with us. He's done. <laughs> number five for me is from the garden. The measure of a life is a measure of love and respect. So hard to earn, so easily burned. And for me, Rush's final song has one of Neil's best lyrics, in my opinion. That one small phrase, he sums up the way he lived his life and offered something for all of us to aspire to, I think. So beautiful. You know, it makes you ask the question, what legacy will you leave in your life? Your thoughts, guys? I'm stumped. I don't know this lyric. That is from Clockwork Angels, Rush's final album. Uh-huh. Okay. So this is what, these are some of the last lyrics that Neil wrote. Correct. Yes. It's the last song of the album. Oh, I see. Okay. I need to look into this. I love it. See, first of all, I knew you were going to pick it <laughs> somewhere. Um, but also it does, it does sum up, you know, a life, but it also really demonstrates how fragile, uh, your standing in your own life can be. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It doesn't take much to ruin your entire, <laughs> what everyone thinks of you. So hard to earn, but so easily burned. So you have to continue to treat people in a good way, even to the end or else everything you've worked for might just burn to the ground. And just the fact that what you just said is summed up in three words, so easily burned. Right. And that means so much. Yeah, well, I'm not not a songwriter or poet, so 
it's great that he could do that. But Liz, am I right? I mean, Neil said so much in so few words. That's yes. evident throughout his lyrics, throughout his career. I agree. Yeah. And I think some of the best songwriters do that. Also, Bob Dylan comes to mind. You can say just put a few words together that have never been put together before. And you have a new image or a new idea or a new emotion. Uh, I think the best poets, the best writers do that. So this is interesting, though. So it sounds like it's about reputation, like one's reputation over time. And I wonder if this was personal for Neil. I don't know any like I. I'm not familiar with any personal scandals that he had or anything like that. No, I don't know how personal it was other than just thinking about how easily a life could crumble if you treat people badly. That's what I always took from it. Uh-huh. I see. Or if you're a politician, not, not the case. Right. <laughs> then right. you get away with it. <laughs> then you get away with it. Exactly right. So Liz, it brings us to your number four. What you got for us? Okay. Number four is from um, Jacob's Ladder oh. off Permanent Waves. And it is this. All at once, the clouds are parted. Light streams down and bright, unbroken beams. Follow men's eyes as they look to the skies. The shifting shafts of shining weave the fabric of their dreams. And this is the end of the song, right? This is the conclusion of Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. And I chose it because it's a beautiful expression of, again, of lightness from dark. That last part, the shifting shafts of shining weave the fabric of their dreams is very poetic because it is it doesn't have any literal meaning, right? We don't know exactly what's being suggested there, but it is poetic in the sense of like people looking to the skies and having dreams. And that goes back to ancient times, right? Looking up to the stars and trying to figure out what's going on and how do you right. fit into the larger universe. And so I just find it, it, it's beautiful. It's very beautiful and poetic. And what this, what this celestial thing could mean to you, what's it saying to you? What could it mean for the, the rest of your life? Yes. And just the imagery of what you picture in your mind when you hear Neil's lyrics and that song you think about the thunderstorm or whatever it is in, in your mind that you conjure up when you hear his lyrics. It's just amazing. It is. And every time I see this uh, phenomenon, which happens yeah. a lot out here in Colorado, the dark storm clouds and the, the, the beams of light coming down, you know, breaking through and coming down and they look like it's like a curtain of light kind of. I always think of this song when I see that. I always think of it too. Yeah, it's beautiful. Great choice, Liz. Great choice. Let, uh, Jerry, what do you got for number four? Well, for number four, I have a line from Tom Sawyer. Noah's mind is not for rent to any god or government. Always hopeful, yet discontent. He knows changes aren't permanent, but changes. Nice. So the two things I like about that is that his mind is not for rent to any god or government, which seemed to me to, to be two of the more forceful <laughs> entities in people's lives. So he's not subscribing to either of those things. But the next part is something I say, I've said a lot to my daughters over the years when something in their life, some change has, you know, caused them distress. I'll say to them, changes aren't permanent, but changes. They don't understand. They never, never understood it. I think I said it a couple weeks ago. They didn't <laughs> understand. I had to try to explain it. And then my daughter was like, 
Okay, whatever. But I think it's, this is a very profound statement. Changes mm-hmm. aren't permanent, but change is. The changes that we go through are going to change themselves. And the only thing constant in your life is change. I think it's a very profound statement in this song and mm-hmm. something that you can try to uh, explain to your children and have them not understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes, it takes probably the wisdom of, of living, right? Yeah. A little while to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, Jared. Great choice. And what about you, Steve? My number four is from the album Presto, and it's from Show Don't Tell. You can twist perception, but reality won't budge. That's it. That's it. I think this line is brilliant and really more relevant today than it ever was, really, right? (laughs) With the explosion of social media, perception is just being twisted more and more by the media, by politicians. But reality, of course, can't be changed no matter how much you change people's perceptions. Right. It also illustrates the theme of Presto, which is illusion, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good choice, man. And another great example of very few words getting across a very big idea. Are you familiar with that album, Liz? Oh yeah. I know Presto. That was that, those, that's my high school years. And that was probably, oh no. And then I, I did, I did acquire Roll the Bones. And I think, I think that's where I kind of, and it's interesting. I was doing research for this podcast. Our Roll the Bones came out in 1991 and I did have that album. And then not the next few albums because 1991 happens to be when I started college and I went off on a different track for a while, like Grateful Dead and The Door, <laughs> you know, all that music you listen to when you're in college, right? Stoner music. Yep. And, um, and, and kind of like took a little hiatus from Rush. So I do remember Presto, that was high school. And just today I listened to Available Light and what a beautiful song that is beautiful so yeah i know that album pretty well and i do like that idea um our perception is reality good or bad right right yeah so we're to number three liz what do you have for us for number three okay this is getting more exciting now we get into the really good nitty-gritty the nitty-gritty so number three and three and two we're we're neck and neck um i have presentation off of 2112. Oh, wow. Which is uh, just a, like the short segment of the first side of 2112. And it, I had to choose one part of it. So the part I chose was I know it's most unusual to come before you so, but I've found an ancient miracle I thought that you should know. Listen to my music and hear what it can do. There's something here as strong as life. I know that it will reach you. And this part of the song, always makes me tear up. Um, I think that it is very excellent expression of courage. It captures doing something very uncomfortable that you feel meek and humble and, and unworthy, but you know that you have to do it anyway. This meek man, you know, going before these, these masters of the universe, so to speak, and saying, I found this guitar and and art and music, and we should, you know, embrace this. And of course, they're not accepting of that. And they, they are very condescending and shoo it aside. But just that idea of um, going in front of somebody and, and putting yourself out there and being very vulnerable 
And maybe they'll accept you, maybe they won't. And it's inspiring for me, very. And it also speaks to the, the way that music affects most of us, not the priests. They're not affected by music. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how the, must, the, the band members must have feel. Uh, Getty, Alex, and Neil, they must have felt that way. And we feel that way too about certain songs, you know, that I know this song was going to reach you whatever, you know, black heart of yours is sitting in that chair. And that's why I also think it's great. So it has, it has a couple of layers to it that I love. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. And the other thing that makes that particular lyric so great is the way Getty delivers the lyrics. Yes. Because he just puts so much emotion into it and so much sense of wonder, how amazing it is that he's found this guitar and makes it just exponentially better. Just the way he delivers it, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. In the next part too, where he's, I can't believe you're saying this thing. You know, I, I just can't believe this. You know, how, how could you not? It's very emotional. I mean, it, it does. It really it literally makes me tear up. And he's such an artist because you can feel that emotion coming through. Like, this is a wonderful thing. How could you not want this? But I feel like everybody can relate to this on some level of bringing something to someone or an organization or your boss or whatever the case may be. And and having them say, no, this is BS, go away. We don't want it. You know, we're not buying what you're selling and, and you're so crushed. And, yeah. you know, I think this is something, you know, it's just a human, it's part of the human condition. Everyone can relate to this. Yeah. And it's really like the breaking point of the song, right? Because at the beginning when he's just like, I, you know, I'm going to show you this thing. He's so happy. I know this yeah. will reach you. And then they, they say, no, don't annoy us further. You, you moron. And he's like, I can't believe what you're saying. <laughs> like, he's just yeah. like, he just loses it. And then, you know, he just loses all faith in the system right after that. Yes, exactly. And, and it's, it's soul crushing, right? Yeah. Soul crushing completely. <laughs> it is. I love the fact that Liz is focusing on the seventies, Jared, because I didn't. And there's so <laughs> many brilliant lyrics in the seventies as well. That's right. There really are. They're endless. So, Jar, what's your number three? My number three is from Natural Science. Ooh. And it's, in their own image, their world is fashioned. No wonder they don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite things. I know it's not, to me, it's funny only because it's so true. It's so representative of maybe someone who doesn't understand the world that they've live in but they have created the world to reflect the way that they think and that's why they don't understand it (laughs) that's great oh wait hold on whoa you guys are getting way abstract here (laughs) can you to give a concrete example is there like a psychological diagnosis like like what kind of person are you thinking of i'm just thinking of someone who is baffled by their life and the way that they don't understand things that have happened to them in their life. Wait, are you describing me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. And th- their world is fashioned. They've made their own world in their own yeah. image. Their world is fashioned. No wonder they don't understand because they don't understand themselves. And they've created this world, which is not understandable by them because they don't understand themselves. So, am I just talking in circles now? I think I might be talking in circles. <laughs> it's just so weird. This is one of my favorite Rush songs, but I've never tripped out on these lyrics before. So right. this is, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. I'm thinking like maybe somebody who's not self-aware and is delusional. Yes. Maybe something that's not self-aware. But if, I think if you take that idea 
and stretch it out to an entire civilization. Ah. We kind of find ourselves in a world that we have created that we don't necessarily understand why it was created that way and how it's not really helping us in any way. We've created it. We don't understand why we created that way. And now we just don't understand it. And the reason why we created it that way is because we really don't understand ourselves and what we needed in order to create it correctly. Dang. Okay. I think you're the philosopher of the group now. <laughs> hey, you're, I'm giving you an honorary degree in philosophy right now, <laughs> Just, which expires in an hour. But this is interesting. I really have not thought about that. And, and honestly, this is one of my favorite Rush tunes. So I have something to think about. And when I, when I hear it, I, I think it's a little tongue in cheek. You know, no wonder they don't understand. It just gives me a chuckle just yeah. about every time I hear it. Yeah. I just love the fact that one short sentence by Neil, we could sit here and talk about for an hour if we wanted to. <laughs> I know there's much more I need to understand here, but. Could you do that with a Motley Crue lyric? Um, it depends. <laughs> You're talking girls, girls, girls. I think maybe we could. That's the one girls, girls, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do a country music edition next week? Sure. Sure. <laughs> no. Steve, did you have a number three? I do have a number three, and it is from the album Hold Your Fire, and it's from the song Mission. We each pay a fabulous price for our visions of paradise. Now, for me, this lyric reminds me of the lyric from Limelight, I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. Achieving your dreams comes with a price. It's always a trade-off, and for Neil, it was the invasion of his privacy, right? And time away from family doing the things he wanted to do in life. And I like this lyric better than the one from Limelight, believe it or not. Mm. Your thoughts? I love it. Neil was so seemingly so fiercely independent. And I think these lyrics resonate with that. Yeah. I've always liked that other one too. I can't pretend a stranger is a long awaited friend. I imagine he was a very authentic and not 1% phony with people. Very authentic, very honest. Right. Take it or leave it kind of person. Yeah. And um, I love that. We don't have enough people like that in the world. Right. And he just wanted to be regular guy, Neil. He didn't want to be Neil Peart, the drummer from Rush. He preferred to meet you at a diner on the way out while he was paying his check and just saying hi and talking about the weather. Yeah. Rather than talk about Rush. But you can't be like that when you're the best and you're famous. (laughs) It doesn't work, right? It does not. So we're to number two, Liz. I can't wait to hear your number two choice. Well, coincidentally, my number two is also from Natural Science. Oh. Off Permanent Waves, Uh, but it's a different lyric. It is, science like nature must also be tamed with a view towards its preservation. Given the same state of integrity, it will surely serve us well. The most endangered species, the honest man will still survive annihilation, forming a world, a state of integrity, sensitive, open, and strong. And I love this lyric. It came up in our last uh, podcast discussion, especially those three words, sensitive, open, and strong. This, to me, in, in this short paragraph, Neil mentions integrity twice, right? So this is all about integrity, doing what's right in your own life, doing what's right for the planet, Uh, Science is a tool, but use it with integrity. 
nature is a tool, but use it with integrity. And I think it's a great message. Be sensitive, open, and strong. Yeah, I love that too, because we all have the idea that nature should be tamed, that we have to live in nature, but we have to keep nature to nature and we have to be our you know big fence between the two of us. But when it comes to science, people just think science should do whatever it wants to do without regard to ethics. And I think that's that's what he's trying to say here a little bit at the beginning, right? Yeah. Like science, like nature, must also be tamed with a view towards its preservation. Yes. You have to keep the good things and you have to keep it as pure as it can be for its own sake. But it's going to cross a line somewhere and maybe we're going to have to put a fence up. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure that Neil could kind of see the direction it was going in, right? That we were maybe using science and scientific tools in a perverse way that could have some awful consequences. And um, we're seeing that now, right? We're experiencing (laughs) that now. Happy times. But yeah, I think this is very prescient of him to be writing Permanent Waves is 1980. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. 1980. Very prescient to be writing this 40 years ago. That is crazy. When climate change was not even close to, we were we weren't even aware of what was going right. on, right, with science and climate change and and the health of the earth and everything. So very prescient of him. Yeah. There wasn't even a hole in the ozone layer back then. Right. Or if there was, we didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know about which it. it was. Well, that's what we're finding is that Neil's lyrics written 30, 40 years ago are more relevant today than they've ever been, which is amazing. Yes. Really is. So, Jar, where do your number two? I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, I'm trying to choose between two that I have here. I think I'm going to go with uh, Faithless from Snakes and Arrows. Oh, nice. I don't have faith in faith. I don't believe in belief. You can call me faithless, but I still cling to hope and I believe in love. And that's faith and up for me. So I like the fact that he is using the word faith to describe how he doesn't have faith in things. I don't have faith in faith. He doesn't believe in belief. (laughs) He's using the word believe to describe how he does not believe. And then he says that he does have faith in kind of the things that are demonstrable, right? He has faith in love because he can see the people who love him and he can demonstrate his love for other people. So he has faith in the things that are, may not, you may not be able to see them. Like maybe you can't see God and religious aspects, but he can demonstrate it. He can demonstrate love and he can feel love and he can receive love from other people. So that's why he believes in it. And that's Mm. as, as much as he can do. And that's as good enough for him. And I would guess you relate to those lyrics too, Jer, personally. I do. You know, being a cynical atheist, I love lines like this. <laughs> hey, why does it have to be a cynical atheist? Why can't you be a joyous atheist? Because I'm a, I'm a cynic at heart. So I think every, every aspect oh. of my personality should be preceded by the word cynic. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. You didn't mean it in like a negative way. Just uh, no, no. Gotcha. Not at all. Cynical atheist. <laughs> yeah, well, it's easier that way, right? Like, just believe in what you can see and what you know. Right. And not things beyond that. Yeah, things that are a little more demonstrable. Mm-hmm. Steve, are you at number two? I'm at number two. And number two for me may be the obvious choice. And it also may be Neil's most famous lyric, I would think. Uh-oh. If you choose not to decide... 
you still have made a choice. So simple, yet so complicated at the same time. And free will is just loaded, loaded with great lines. I also thought about blame is better to give than receive. And each of us a cell of awareness, imperfect and incomplete. Genetic Mm -hmm. blends with uncertain ends on a fortune hunt that's far too fleet. I mean, (laughs) so much great stuff in free will. And permanent waves we're discovering was a lyrical gem, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Your thoughts on free will? I mean, a popular, like popular, uh, even on the radio too. Mm-hmm. You know, that one actually made it. Um, that reminds me of a friend of mine in high school who was not a Rush fan. He was listening to um, like suicidal tendencies and all these, like, you know, like hard punk bands, but he loved free will and he loved that lyric in particular. Because it, it just resonated with him. It makes sense. You can choose not to decide, but you've still made a choice. And he thought that was cool. And I was like, all right. <laughs> he can appreciate a small piece of rush. It is, right. it's, again, few words, but still a profound idea. And not being a philosopher like you, Liz, or you, Jerry, I can easily understand <laughs> that one. <laughs> honorary. 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 <laughs> So we've made it, look, we've made it to number one and we haven't repeated any lyrics yet. Let's hope we continue that. This is great. What if all three of our number ones are the same? I don't think that's even possible. Liz, (laughs) tell us your number one. I wonder. My number one is the same that it's been since high school. It is The Sphere, A Kind of Dream off Hemispheres. Mm. And um, this was my senior yearbook quotation, as a matter of fact. So we can walk our road together if our goals are all the same. We can run alone and free if we pursue a different aim. Let the truth of love be lighted. Let the love of truth shine clear. Sensibility armed with sense and liberty, with the heart and mind united in a single perfect sphere. And this quote inspired my senior yearbook quote because my whole life I've been interested in balance, obsessed with the idea of balance. And I'm not talking about like a work-life balance. I'm talking about like very philosophical, like <laughs> a more abstract sense of balance right. in the universe. And um, then it inspired that essay that I wrote about a rush and hemispheres. And it continues to inspire me. And I love this idea of heart and mind or feeling and thinking, reason and emotion, however you want to put it, Dionysus and Apollo in a perfect sphere, right? So we're not just cold thinking, mechanistic beings. We're not just passionate, you know, human blobs of flesh, but, you know, we're, we're both in this perfect sphere. And so this has always been, and in Hemispheres is my favorite album. And uh, this is my favorite quote off my favorite album. And I love the wordplay with sensibility aren't with sense and liberty. Me too. Me it's perfect. Too. It is. It, it, it is perfect. Like yeah. it really, the, he's again, such a good writer and such a good poet. Um, even let the truth of love be lighted and let the love of truth shine clear, which of course, yeah. if you listen to the whole album, there's this whole idea, right? Of how do you know truth and how do you find love and how do you balance the two of them? And so he really, in this last, portion kind of brings it all together in like perfect balance. I love when he switches words like that. Love of truth, the truth of love. Yes. 
like I said earlier, it's just, it's so poetic. It, there must be, you know, some kind of word that describes that poetic usage. There has to be. I don't know what it is, but there probably is. Oh, we should get it. We should get a poet on this podcast. There we oh, go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Write that down. Hold on. Let me write that down. <laughs> you should. Like, it, like an English literature poet person. That would be so interesting to pick yeah. your brain. So, Liz, when you got married, if your husband pulled that out as wedding vows, would you have been bawling? Oh, uh, no, I would have been like, I'm sorry, I have to marry Neil Peart instead. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been a disaster. <laughs> well, because Steve has a little story to tell you. No, I was going to do it for my wedding vows. My wife wouldn't have known who it was, and she would have thought it was me, and I would have been kingpin. What do you think? <laughs> uh, you would have no integrity if you did that, Steve. That is not okay. <laughs> I would have stood up and objected, probably. Like, uh, Wait a minute. Plagiarism. <laughs> All right, Jer, where do your number one? Let's hope it's not the same one. You got a different one. My number one has been my number one since I first heard Power Windows. Um, it's from Territories. It's the end of Territories. They shoot without shame in the name of a piece of dirt for a change of accent or the color of your shirt. Better the pride that resides in the citizen of the world than the pride that divides when a colorful rag is unfurled. Brilliant. Yeah. To me, that is such a damning critique wow. of nationalism of run amok patriotism of colonialism it is in just those few words those few lines he's just tearing a new one for like half the world and this is before 2016 um <laughs> it was way before 2016 <laughs> what album are we talking about power windows Oh, power windows. Okay. Because when I read, when I see what's happening around the world, well, around the world in the United States in the past four years, that comes to mind all of the time. It just comes to mind. Yeah. And it's, it's heartbreaking to have, to read something like that and be like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. And then see what's happening. You're like, mm, I don't understand that though. I don't understand how I can understand one thing. And how other people can't understand the same thing. But that's life, I guess. What's weird, too, is, um, of course, being from Canada, a rather peaceful country. This is interesting. Like, I wonder what inspired those lyrics, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. Huh. The whole song itself is just about, there's another line in the song. I'm gonna, am I going to get it wrong, Steve? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Where he says, um, the line is about how they think of home and home has better people and better beer. So why move around the world if Eden was so near? So he's talking about colonialism, right? Yeah. People go to, you know, wherever and then bitch and moan about the locals and the food. And it's like, if where you came from was the greatest place in the world, what are you doing moving away from it? What are you doing? Yeah. Taking over the rest of the world just going somewhere else and complaining about it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a hard balance, right? Because I remember being in high school, listening to a lot of rush, but being in high school and my family moved us abroad and I missed the United States like crazy. I missed everything about the United States, the, the music, the movies, you know, my friends, all that stuff. And I couldn't wait to come back, but, but there's perhaps now we're seeing 
a level at which people take that. I love the United States, maybe to an extreme, and it's right. then it's it's you're out of balance. You're out. I, I love the U.S. or parts of the U.S. and hate and hate everything else or something like that. And then right. there's this imbalance, right? Right. Steve, my number one is from Signals, and it's one of my favorite songs, "The Analog Kid." When I leave, I don't know what I'm hoping to find, and when I leave. I don't know what I'm leaving behind. And as I said before, Neil says so much in so few words, captures the emotion of not wanting to leave the life you know and enjoy, but also, you know, the pull of getting out into the world and exploring new things like he did all the time. Simply magical to me. Love it. Yeah. Thoughts, Liz, on that one? I really like that song. This is the song I also heard played live last weekend and i love this song and yeah there there is that push and pull you want to leave home to experience new things but you're going to miss home you're in a distant land but uh there's also this sentiment now that i think about it in in available light too Mm -hmm. of um you have to go out there and experience the world and see it in the available light. Like you'd like see it, you know, before the sun goes down and kind of, so to speak, um, go out and experience life and, and see everything. And, and so this seems to be a recurring theme for Neil, I would say. Right. Mm-hmm. So do either of you have any honorable mentions, any other lyrics that you really wanted to mention that you couldn't fit in your five Liz? I don't think so. I, I think I'm good. Otherwise, I'm just going to get spun out on. Nope. I'm going to say I'm good. Jerry? Hmm. Well, I I have so many. I don't know which one to <laughs> no, pick. So I am I also going to say, no, I'm, I'm going to go with Liz. I'm going to, I'm sticking with these five. Okay. All right. I guess I'll have to stick with these five too. I was going to read off a whole bunch of them, but I'm not going to do Such it. Such peer pressure. You don't have to succumb to peer pressure, Steve. <laughs> I'm just going to read one. I heard this song the other day and I thought, this is just a great line. Attack the day like birds of prey. How great is that from Force 10? (laughs) Or Scavengers Undercover, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. The two options for any day. Also that same theme of like carpe diem, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. The day. Excellent. I like that. Great stuff. So Liz, the first time we talked to you was only a few months after Neil passed. Now that it's been two and a half years, Do you have a new or different perspective on the legacy that Neil left? I don't think I do. I would say one thing that's cool is I continue to hear from people out in the world through email and uh, other means saying, I just saw what you wrote about Neil, but that continues to happen. Um, And that makes me so happy on LinkedIn. In fact, I've even found people at my own university who are Rush fans and saw what I wrote. And then, oh my gosh, we teach at the same university, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it just continued to make connections with people over that same idea. But I don't know if I've had any new insights, just always kind of blown away by the profound lyrics, um, the profound drumming, how that could occur in one human being simultaneously and um, just kind of continue to be in awe. But I don't know. I don't feel like I have any new insights. Not really. So anything you're working on that you may weave rush into another article, perhaps on psychology today? I wish if you guys have any ideas, 
I'd love to hear it. Okay. Jerry's the philosopher. He's the card carrying <laughs> philosopher, yes. not me. Maybe Jerry and I should co-author something. Oh, that's a great idea. Like a philosopher tete-a-tete. Uh, sure. I'm outmatched, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Why not? I know. No, you're not. You're not at all. <laughs> I think I've only written those two things um, on psychology today, right? Light from the dark and uh, and Neil's thing. So no, I'm not working on anything currently. Um, I mean, I feel like I could write a whole book about Rush, but that's a lot to, that's a big endeavor to take on. But um, I would love some in- inspiration from you guys or even your listeners. Well, there you go. What needs to be written about? What needs to be unearthed and further discovered, you know, further explored. I think based on our conversation today, your co-authored article should be on natural science. That's what I think. That'd be something. <laughs> right. Was that the only overlap that the two of us yeah. chose natural science? I think that was the only overlap. Yeah. I think, yeah, actually we could, we could definitely write something about the quote that you, cause I, I still don't completely understand it, but that's, okay. <laughs> that's right. No. That's the story of my life, Liz. No, it's just, it's just my brain. I think if we had a longer conversation and a bottle of wine, I could figure it out. Maybe I could figure it out too then. <laughs> Liz, thanks so much for joining us today on the Rush Fancast and reminiscing about Neil Peart's lyrics. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was so much fun. Great idea. So Jared, that turned out to be a really good idea, didn't it? It was. It, I was looking forward to this one as I started pouring through some of Neil's lyrics. And I forgot that Liz was a staunch 70s Rush fan. That's right. But I'm glad she is because she pulled out so many that I didn't think of. Yeah, definitely. I was, I'm not sure I focused on one certain area. There were so many. I had some from, I think I had some from every album except for the first one in my initial, oh, this is a great song, this is a great song, this is a great song. And then I winnowed it down and then winnowed it down even more. So, yeah. And I've got a page here like of just a whole bunch more that I, wrote down right that i didn't say that i mean you could do this all day long you could do this all day long we could do a, another podcast i'd have five different songs we should do it again i'm gonna save these for the next time there you go oh okay i think we should do it again it is a great idea so when i started preparing for this podcast about the lyrics i contacted our good friend john take who oh, nice. does rush graphs and asked him if he could plot for me the number of words per album for all of the albums. Cause I had this theory that there were more lyrics per song as rush recorded albums. Like I had this theory that the earlier albums had fewer lyrics in them than the later albums. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Fewer lyrics, fewer words. There were fewer words in the songs. Yeah, but 2112 is 20 minutes long and it has more words than almost every other song. Well, those are the outliers. There are a couple of outliers. (laughs) 2112 hemispheres were the outliers. Okay. So he plotted out a graph for me that plots the number of words on every album and also the number of words per song in those albums. Okay. So it's kind of hard to explain as obviously... As, as we're showing right now, but I'll post it on our socials and I'll send it to you to put on Twitter when it comes out. That is very cool. I know our listeners will look forward to that. And you can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rush Cast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. Lex did the bass intro and outro. 
And Jerry, I know you've got a great quote to wrap this up. I do. And can you believe it? It's not from one of the songs we already talked about. I can believe it. Neil has so many good lyrics. Why not throw another one out there? This is from Bastille Day. It was one of my, you know, reserve quotes. Okay. And we're marching to Bastille Day. A guillotine will claim her bloody prize. Sing, O choirs of cacophony. The king has kneeled to let his kingdom rise. It's another great one. Thanks. It is. See you later. Thank you.